This program is part of Film Geek Radio. Visit filmgeekradio.com for more great shows. This is Agents of Shield Cast, your source for the best analysis of the ABC television series Agents of Shield. With your host, Agent Andrew Johnson. If they can bring back Clark Gregg, maybe they can bring back Ed Norton. That'd be weird. Agent Bibbs Bibiani. I got all my ideas from Mr. Belvenier. Come on. Agent Gwen Reyes. Anybody that's not a huge Joss Whedon fan just really needs to pack up their whole life and move to another continent. And Agent Rod Morrow. I feel like someone just ran into your room and gave you a wedgie and then ran back out. They are the Strategic Homeland Intervention Enforcement and Logistics Division Critical Analysis Strike Team, a.k.a. The Shield Cast. Agents Assemble! This is episode number nine of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. cast. This is Film Geek Radio's weekly podcast devoted exclusively to discussion of the ABC television series Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I'm Agent William Bibiani, and I'm joined by my fellow members of the Strategic Homeland Intervention Enforcement and Logistics Division Critical Analysis Strike Team. First up, he is an all-around comics enthusiast and the founder of the Black Guy Who Tips podcast network, Agent Rod Morrow! Hey, uh, this is the livest interview uh, introduction I've ever had. Uh, I appreciate it, Bill. Thank you, Rod. Next up, she is a writer for RealVixen.com and a member of the Television Critics Association, Agent Gwen Reyes. I'm assembled and I brought all the weird Asgardian rods. That's what she said. Just now. All right. And finally, I'm the Film Channel Editor at CraveOnline.com, co-host of the B-Movies Podcast. My name is Agent William Bibbs Bibiani. Agent Andrew Johnson is going to be running a little late this week. Hopefully he'll be here in about half an hour. So, together, we are the Shieldcast. We strive to take both an enthusiastic and critical approach to Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., so there's a little something for everyone. As always, you can email the Agents of Shieldcast at shieldcast at filmgeekradio.com, and you can access all our episodes by subscribing to us on iTunes or Stitcher. If you like the show, please leave us a review. That would really help us out a lot. And if you leave a good review will make you an honorary member of the shield cast we also have a new voicemail line at 336-793-2509 you can call and leave us some feedback there again that's 336-793-2509 this show is being recorded live at spreecast.com to receive updates on when we will be recording live you can search for agents of shield cast with the periods in there and sign up to be alerted whenever we do a live recording. You can also follow film underscore geek underscore radio on Twitter or any of us on Twitter for information on when we'll be recording live. We'll give out those handles at the end of the show. But before we get started, I just want to say thank you to everyone who has rated and reviewed us on iTunes. We really appreciate all the support. So we got we got so many new reviews over the past week that we don't have time to go through them all right now. I know. That's not fair. We have freedom. I only have what Andrew gave me here, so uh, I assume we'll get to them later. (laughs) If you leave us a positive review, we will get to you eventually. We are going to induct two new honorary members of the S.H.I.E.L.D. cast. Uh, Bill Monty gave us a five-star review. The headline was, Great Podcast! And the review was, Keep on bringing the greatness, man. Good work here. Med School Gal gave us a five-star review with a headline, Dope Podcast! With a review that said, apparently, Rod is the man. There it is. And I don't know what I am, but I, I guess I'm somewhat less than. You're the other man. Aw, what's Andrew? 
maybe i'll just have to jump out and save simmons ass again if anything happens so there you go you're such a badass guys so much romantic development this week i'm so excited oh my god people finally fucked all right so listen hey thank you both for listening we've looked over your applications and decided to accept you as honorary members of the shield cast bill monty we're pleased to bring you on as shield cast's tai chi expert Med school gal, we'd love to hire you as our professional art massager. So, welcome to the team. Did you say art massager? Like, massaging of art or arc? Heart. Heart oh, massager. Heart. Oh. heart massager. I wasn't right at all. No, no, you weren't. Well, hey, listen, uh, let's talk Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Today we're going to be discussing episode 8 of season 1 of the show. The episode is entitled The Well. It was written by Monica Owosu-Breen and directed by Commander Riker himself, Jonathan Frakes. Uh, Agent Rod Morrow, why don't you go ahead and give our listeners the quick synopsis of what happened this episode. In the aftermath of the events chronicled in the feature film Thor The Dark World, Coulson and the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. pick up the pieces one of which threatens to destroy a member of the team. And that was a lie. Uh, Agent Rod Morrow, what did you think of this episode as a whole? I enjoyed it um, a lot, but I think they made a mistake in tying it to Thor. Like, just by even mentioning it, because it seemed like the people on my timeline that didn't like the show were more upset that the tie-in wasn't really fleshed out more. It was kind of a loose tie to Thor. But uh, I actually enjoyed it a lot because I, I didn't care about that. I just thought it was a, a, a good episode and it did delve a little bit more into the Marvel universe. Real fast, Rod, uh, did you see Thor The Dark World yet? Yes, I have. Awesome. Gwen, have you? Yeah, I saw it on Sunday. Okay, cool. All right, so we can, we can talk about that. Uh, Gwen, what are your thoughts on the episode as a whole? I really enjoyed the episode. I thought that, one, we got a lot of things that we've wanted to see for a lot of the season. We got to delve a little bit deeper into Ward's psyche and why his like what causes his relationship with his brother. Um, we got to see the reaction of Coulson again reacting to the fact that he died and what really happened in him questioning that story. And then I just thought this, the flushing was really good, the, the pace was really great, and then I also just kept saying, Vigo! Every <laughs> single time. I have got to save the rod for Vigo! Vigo! <laughs> Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, no. I uh, love that guy. Peter McNichol uh, co-stars in this episode, uh, and he's great. He's always great. He's definitely my my favorite part of this episode. There's a lot of things I like about this episode. I like the pacing of it. Uh, I like there was some really good action, and especially towards the end, pretty much anything with Peter McNichol was great. I appreciated that they tried to give us Ward's backstory, and yet at the same time, what a lame story. It was like, it sets up like, oh no, Ward stuck down a well. Oh no, maybe Ward pushed someone down that well. Oh no, it's some random person who has nothing to do with anything and his brother is just kind of a dick. Mm. What? I don't really care about that. I mean, maybe if it had been a later time slot, I think it would have been more powerful if he had actually been the cause of his brother's, like, death. Mm-hmm. Or if his brother had killed someone else, like uh, the good son or something, you know? Well, do we think Do we think that that little boy down there was his brother also? Because I thought that was his little brother. That's what I thought was, that was the little brother. And because I remember mm. in the cake, in the episode where you brought up the cake, birthday cake thing, it wasn't his cake that got destroyed. It was his little brother's cake yeah. that got mm. destroyed by the older brother. So it seems like his older brother has some type of weird... Like psychopath, sociopath sort of thing. Yeah. Here's a question. Do you think that... Okay, so let's assume for a second that's a little brother down at the bottom of the well. Do you think his big brother pushed him down the well because of the cake? I was kind of waiting for the cake to come up, but... <laughs> he just drops the cake down there. Oh, you want the cake now, huh? I was like, what? Worst birthday ever, you know? But uh, <laughs> I, I, I was wondering, though, it does make me feel like they have to be 
setting this all up for at some point we're going to see the older brother today, you know? Mm-hmm. I think so. And I bet I like the idea. Somebody suggested it earlier um, in the podcast that he would possibly be a shield agent mm. uh, or an agent of some uh, he's got to be some sort of bad guy yeah he likes to skin cats i'm sure yeah he can't mm. just like we he can't just be a dude like he has yeah. to be something like he's he can't just be a guy that like you know watches uh football on sundays and goes to work at the plant like fuck that i actually think uh here's here's my thing is that i think this whole well business is such an obvious dramatic setup it seems to me like they're really likely to going to want to switch this around and that when the brothers do show up, it's actually the little brother who's gone evil because of all the abuse. Oh, that would be yeah. good. And then, the, and then the big brother is like, we think he's going to be the bad guy. And then the little brother kills him. And then, yeah, so it's going to be all super, super duper uh, dramatic. Yeah, I want to start us off in talking about this was the episode, and we just mentioned it. We this is the episode that was hyped as the tie-in to Thor. Uh, they even flat out lied to us in the episode description, uh, which says that they're picking up the pieces uh, from Thor: The Dark World, which they are, and that one of those pieces threatens a member of their team. Uh, it is a complete coincidence that another piece of Asgardian tech happens to come up alive or, or come into play at the same time. Uh, did that bother anyone else? Because that struck me as very shoddy. They, there was no reason why they had to go out of their way for it. I actually totally agree that, I mean, it, it it's cool to see them cleaning it up. Like, I like the recognition of, oh, this shit just happened in London, and now we're in Greenwich, and, you know, we got to clean it up a little bit. And I think you could have just left it at that. Like, there doesn't, and then you could have this whole other Asgardian level of, I, I love the idea that there are, like, workers in Asgard. Like, they're not all just these, these like, awesome gods that are all really pretty. Like, I love the idea that there's, like, mason, like a whole caste system in a way. So I thought that that was kind of fun to explore. And the only way that we could have explored that was through a TV show rather than, I mean, that wouldn't be interesting in a movie. Yeah, I thought it was cool that, like, Colson especially kept harping that he knew Thor. Because, um, you know, obviously this guy was a mason on Asgard that just decided to, like, enlist because he was bored with his life or whatever. And it was really funny, you know, when he kept throwing it in his face. And, and it did bring up the idea that, like, uh, when they were like, do you know uh, Thor? And he was just like, no, motherfucker, I work at Wendy's, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and like I said, I think they made a, a tactical mistake by even bringing up the Thor tie-in because I think the people that I've seen that were like really let down by the episode were more like, why isn't Thor in it? Why is any character from Thor in it? You know, why, why isn't the plot to Thor like kind of like crucial to whatever's going on in here? Right. To which I would, uh, you know, I kind of understand and, you know, thinking on it further, I really believe they, they kind of couldn't do it that soon because the movie's still in theaters and, like, you can't have anything that would be a spoiler two weeks after the theatrical release of this movie, I don't believe. Well, and I thought, especially since the rod glowed yellow, I thought, or not yellow, I'm sorry, red. I thought that it was going to be like a throwback to the ether. Like, there's some ether that kind of got out or there's early uh-huh. stones of that. And they didn't even recognize, they didn't even like acknowledge that either. So you don't even have to see the movie. That was exactly. like a problem I had. It, this feels like an episode that had nothing to do with the movie, and then we're just like, hey, why don't we do this episode right after Thor, yeah. and then we'll just add in a prologue. And that's fine. And listen, I thought the prologue was, was funny. I liked it. It was it was nice seeing them doing that sort of banal busy work, but it, it's just such a wasted opportunity. It really bugged me. And I, uh, and I, having seen Thor The Dark World before this episode came out, as I think a lot of us did, I saw the post-credits teaser where the monster is sort of bouncing around, and I'm just like, oh, they're going to fight that monster. Mm-hmm. 
Like that would that was what I was hoping for. Like that's actually a loose end that doesn't get wrapped up at all. It's not mentioned. It's nothing. They had to CGI that monster. They must have known about it months ago. No one could have said anything and said, "Hey, could you just fight a giant monster in this episode or something?" And then we'll save more Norse crap for later. Yeah, especially since that piece that he gets and he tries to like cleanse with the spray and then puts it in the box. Like that, I don't even remember that being in the movie. It was just there was a bunch of stuff that blew up, and they're just picking up all the blow up pieces. Honestly, I think this episode would be totally received differently if they don't even mention Thor the Dark World in the preview, anything. And we just watch it and it's a pleasant surprise. Like, oh, they talked about other Marvel yeah. shit that happens in the Marvel universe and it happened to relate to Thor, but it's not necessarily the movie because I, you know, I didn't really think about it until I watched this episode. But I was like, that is a very compromising position to be able to, to, to have like the ability to spoil this movie. For people who haven't seen it, but you still want to reap the benefits of viewers who have seen that movie, want to watch this show. And they were like, they really put themselves in a bad spot with that because it doesn't even make sense for them to have anything that would possibly spoil that movie on the TV show. Yeah. So what we're saying here is that Marvel is stupid and they should stop making movies. Yeah. Or more movies with Loki in them. Just give me my yeah. Loki movie and move on. Yeah, I enjoyed the uh, Thor movie. Okay. Uh, in relation to that opening scene. I have a question, uh, and I'd like everyone to answer. Uh, Thor, handsome or dreamy? Uh, I'm going to go with dreamy. Yeah, he's kind of dreamy, although I am definitely a Tom Hiddleston Loki fan. Mm-hmm. What is, uh, is Tom Hiddleston also dreamy, or is he something special? He is something special. <laughs> <laughs> you bring that home to mom. Oh, God. I call Hiddleston a sex spot. He's dreamy to me. I want a Tom Hiddleston sex spot more than, oh, than, no, than not, most things. Not sex robot. Sex, oh. Sex pot, P-O-T. Oh, I think it said sex bot. That's very different. I'm waiting for a Buffy bot. I want a Buffy bot so badly. Oh, I know. Oh, uh. So uh, so this is, in the first episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., we saw how the everyman was dealing with uh, the appearance of superheroes and gods, and we're coming back to that now, and everyone's just pissed and starting like an underground fight club or something about it. I like that it was a Norse hate group a norse pagan hate group i thought that was just so hilarious like can't they just it was a norse paganist hate group can't they just just be racist yeah and and incidentally why would they call themselves paganists they believe in this religion they're not paganists it's kind of it's it's just kind of fucked up and can Uh, like can uh, thor just send uh him doll down once just to fuck up everything they believe in and then just come back specifically say that they were white supremacists but if you look at when they're going through the online chat rooms there is like a shot where you get to see everyone's texts did you did anyone bother to pause and read that uh, i only read the one that said i rode a horse today <laughs> yeah there's one that says i rode a horse today but there's a lot of them that are talking about like you know we must start an army of super warriors to combat the oppression that has haunted the master race since the dawn of time all those who choose to oppose us must yield <laughs> like retweet like like master race i bet I, I just i don't know if that's <sighs> humans wasn't very diverse and not and you know what i appreciate it because yeah. it was getting a little bit of brown skin person goes crazy for the week for a while and uh now we have white people going crazy and it's all equality is back but they're norwegian so it's not just white white it's like uber white it's like it's like our own private sect of white mm-hmm. but they go out of their way they go out of their way to show like one Norwegian guy who's really sensitive and sweet. 
How could they do this to him? This is a national park. I loved that so much. He was so sad for the trees. He was like the Lorax. (laughs) (laughs) Also, like that guy uh, really bothered me for like five minutes until I realized that they were supposed to be in Norway. I was like, who the fuck in a national park talks like this? They didn't say Norway on screen. It did they, say they, Norway. And then and then all the words were in Norwegian. Yeah, I think I yeah. I, I missed it for a second because like I, I was also I did question the sign. I was like, wow, in our own country, English isn't even the first language on the sign. <laughs> the Norwegians are coming for us now. Then yeah. later I was like, what's up with this guy's stupid accent? They're like, well, they are in Norway. I was like, oh, well, that would make a lot of sense. See that? No, that bothered me more. That made less sense. Why aren't they speaking Norwegian to each other? Okay, I agree on that one. I definitely agree on that. And it's also because Norwegian, as a huge Ilva soccer fan, Norwegian sounds funny. And so it's easier just to have them have a weird accent and not have to go over it and dub because a Norwegian accent or Norwegian is kind of a funny sounding words and stuff. We're already kind of anti-Norwegian already. Why don't we just like, you know, I'd love to see people screaming hate speech in Norwegian. And I'm going to stop my train of thought right there before I go too far, because that sounds like a bad road to go down. Our podcast listeners in Norway didn't tune in for this. I was happy for the Norway, the Norway tie-in. That's my favorite ride at Disney World. The Norway tie-in. As far as I'm concerned, yeah. uh, it's either Norway or the highway. That's right. Be here all week, guys. Oh, <laughs> uh, God. What did you guys think of Simmons's subplot this week? The one where she morbidly wanted to dissect that dude for no reason? That was bad. Yeah, that was funny. <laughs> that shit was funny. But basically, the, they're they're trying to at least pay lip service to the fact that she's been through a lot lately, and it's causing her to doubt herself, and at the very least, be remiss in calling her parents. Did that satisfactorily follow up on everything for you guys? There was um, two elements to her character, too. There's also the subplot of her going, I don't believe in magic, no matter how much magical shit keeps happening. Mm-hmm. Which I actually liked about her character a lot because, um, you know, it's something that Marvel fans struggle with and it's constantly a debate. So I enjoyed her character being kind of aware of the, well, isn't this kind of bullshit? You know, so that was cool. <laughs> her calling her parents really seemed like a throwaway to me. It, it Luckily, it didn't take up much of the plot. You know, it was just like a couple moments. But yeah, it, it didn't really do much for me with the character. Yeah, well, it just showed that she was really close to her family, and now that this new job is kind of pulling her away from that, that's fine. It was kind of like a meh. Right. Yeah. I'm more interested in Ward and Sim. Like, I loved the scene and when we came back from the first opening of of Ward, like, walk, talking her up the tree. And I also liked when she was like, um, I know what you're doing, and it's not working, even though it's working. Yeah, I liked that a lot. <laughs> I liked that better than her avoiding calls from her parents. Yeah. There was this one really awkward line where he was just like, I'll catch you. And I'm just like, I get it. He's going to get angry later. You're, you're establishing contrast. It's very, very cute. I did like him when he raged out, though. There was something very satisfying about seeing him pull an ancient Norse stick out of Peter McNichol's chest, yell at someone, and jump off that a balcony. That was one of my favorite moments of the show was, like, he looked like he was trying to squat. 700 pounds or something <laughs> and uh like the acting that they had to pull from the depth of his soul to get that screen <laughs> i would love to be there just to see all the takes where they're like no not not angry enough. not angry enough <laughs> i don't i don't believe that your brother did, was trapped in a well <laughs> that poor kid i bet that well wasn't even as deep as it looked 
Yeah. <laughs> no, it's probably fine. It's probably he could stand up. The water wasn't even deep. Yeah, what a sissy. Was also, that, did y'all um, notice the um? Because yeah. you were talking about corny lines earlier. I think corniest line of the show has to go to uh, Colson. You know, he says, "Let's see, 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 see what we can dig up. See what I did there." I loved that. I like that the writers know it's corny, but they keep doing that every week where they're like, here's some corny shit, but we know it's corny. Maybe they have like a, a whiteboard in their office where they just are like, got to get this week's quota of corny. Yeah. That was his, uh, that was his CSI Miami moment. Yes. He, he couldn't bring himself to just put on sunglasses and cut to the fucking music. He was just like, no, you see what I did there? We don't have to call attention to that. Okay, let's go. It does feel like the writers get $5 for like every corny line they sneak in, you know? Yeah, it was perfect though. I enjoyed it. Uh, so, 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 uh, Peter McNichol, the Asgardian. Is this the sort of world building we want to, we want to see? Again, we're seeing, you know, we have got Asgard coming into the show, but again, it's the workaday Asgard. I love the idea that it goes back to the commoner of, like, they live amongst us. Like, there's something appealing to all of these other worlds that, to, something appealing about Earth that all these people want to come and hide amongst the people here. So I liked that idea that he's come here and ha hidden for years and reluctantly has the story about himself. I really enjoyed that a lot. Does anyone else want to see a flashback where it's like Peter McNichol in like full body armor, like raging out, killing hundreds of people at once, flying through the air, stabbing chests? I want him to be a Carpathian. I want him to be Vigo. Oh, God. God. You know, he was in other stuff, right? That's all. Mm -mm. He was in Chicago Hope. What about Dragon Slayer? He was awesome in Dragon Slayer. <laughs> it kind of worked for me, but mostly because when I saw him, I just was like, they have to do more with this character. You know, he's he's a re I, an actor I recognize. And I didn't think he was going to be Asgardian. They totally got me on that with the uh, knife. Tried to stab a guy through the hand on a hunch. But I was a little bit, like, kind of weirded out, too, because I don't see him as a warrior type of person. Like, in my mind, like, he seems like a very kind person that I would like to hang out and have a beer with. And then it's like, yeah, I used to kill hundreds of people. But uh, <laughs> my favorite thing about him is that he didn't die. So that means we they can use him again for something, which is which is sweet. You know, I was worried they were going to kill him off. And then uh, the other thing is his character was great for all the zen-like, don't worry about it, when Ward was raging out. that that Those scenes just kept making me laugh when he's like, uh, it'll just stick in there for a few decades, you know. It was it's something I really really like is when we're talking about Thor: The Dark World and we find out how old those characters are, it starts getting really weird and it's a little hard to wrap your head around. Like, wait, how old is Thor? Is Thor like two thousand years old? One thousand years old? Is that that's not even like robbing the cradle with Natalie Portman now? That's just terrifying. That's looting the ovaries. Yeah. Oh God, Rod. Thank you for that. But I like, you know, you're right. I like that he was just sort of zen about everything. Like he's, he's basically immortal. He's he's living on Earth for for forever, and he just doesn't give a crap about anything. I actually, re my least favorite line of dialogue in the in the show was when Sky was thinking about it. It's like God, he's seen all the worst stuff, like the Black Plague and disco, and I'm like, <laughs> it's like a couple of years before you were born, Sky. I think you know people who lived through disco. Yeah. This is pathetic. Your parents know. Like, you can ask Coulson about disco. You can ask Melinda May about disco. They'll have at least vague memories of it. Yeah, it was also cool. And uh, they're basically sitting in the room with him like, look, man, we're not letting you out of here and all this stuff. And he's like, um, well, eventually you have to let the door say and let you out. And Coulson says, nah, if I tell him not to. Mm -hmm. But then he goes on this thing where he's like, look, man, 
it's a revolution. Uh, the best thing is it'll die out. You know, these people die. Like, like yep. you know, give or take a couple generations, man, it'll be fine. What are you worried about? Well, Oprah, Oprah got in trouble for that recently at Fox News. Did you hear about this? Uh, she said the thing I think a lot of people have thought, but generally try not to say it out loud because it sounds bad, which is, uh, you know, there's a lot of racists in the world. There's a lot of people with really backwards uh, ideas socially. And uh, the problem is that they're old and they're in power and that the world will only change after they start dying out a little. Mm-hmm. And so Fox News put all these ads out where just like Oprah says we have to kill the old people. Oh, my God. I think we just found out Oprah's as guardian. Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh, it makes so much sense. She <laughs> looks the same. She has all the oh. money. You know, this is, I, I think we're onto something here, guys. Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! I think we just blew Bibbs's brain. <laughs> that was really hard to say right there. By the way, <laughs> blew Bibbs's brain. Say it five times fast. I can't. Yes. <laughs> oh, oh my god! Oh my god! Uh, Melinda May. Good episode for Melinda May. We find out that she's basically the Hulk. Oh. Uh, she lives with rage every day and just keeps and just manages it, keeps the control. She's always angry or always dealing with whatever stripes he has. And she also finds out we also find out that she wants to fuck Ward. And, and we find out she wants to fuck Thor because I feel like her character has been yeah. extremely asexual leading yeah. up to this uh, episode. And it was a little bit weird to me to see, you know, because I was like, she's obviously hot. But she's, like, really in control and shit. If you're hot, you are obviously have a great and wonderful sex life. Right. You can get any dudes you want, you know? She's a busy lady. She doesn't have time for that shit. She doesn't have time for feelings. I'm saving the world, you know? I don't have time for all this strange mm-hmm. dick going around and stuff. That's right. At some point, I was, you know, like, when she first said the thing about Thor, I was like, okay, cool. I didn't even know what her sexual preference was in, until this moment. Mm-hmm. And then when uh, at the end, when she uh, left the door open for Ward, I was really like, okay, here we, here we go. We're in business. Well, and the thing is, it's not just sex. It's boozy, angry, like baggage sex. You know, like she's got this giant ass bottle of just a brown liquid. And it's just like, we're going to drink all of this. And we're not going to, like, go to sleep until we can't feel feelings or our own bodies anymore. It's going to be more like sad, angry sex. Like, it's just very, like, wrenching. <laughs> Maybe they're just going to talk. Maybe we shouldn't jump to conclusions. I think, here's the thing, I want to jump to conclusions because I'm dying for this show to jump to some conclusions. I the, I am so sick of the Tahiti thing by now. It, it's not even that they mentioned it earlier. It's that they decided to turn it into a cliffhanger. Like, Colson's like, what? Something's up with Tahiti. And I'm like, dude, we figured that out in, like, episode one. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't turn that into a cliffhanger. Like, it reminds me of that one episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Uh, it was the second robot episode where the Legion of Nerdly Doom had built a robot. Buffy is, like, trying to find the guy who built the robot. And he's like, okay, okay, I wanna, I'm going to stop you right now. And you're not going to believe this. She's a robot. And Buffy's like... Oh, and then it just cuts to a commercial, like, because she knew. Except this wasn't funny. This wasn't funny. It's just like, all right, I get it. You you put Colson in front of a green screen of Tahiti and, and made him think about it. And it looks like, and it looks like next episode, they're not even going to be dealing with it. They got another, they got another supervillain of the week. Although at least it looks like an old fashioned Caucasian American white person who's going to go evil and, and have powers destroy their brain. The weird thing with, with Colson is that, um, it feels almost like his storyline is a bunch of one-minute webisodes, you know? Yeah. Like, like they don't <laughs> give it a lot of time in any episode, but they just make sure they keep hitting it every episode. And every time they do it, I just feel like the payoff 
like has to be even better than I thought it was before. Where I'm just like, all right, you guys, like whatever it is, it's, it's got to be something that I'm not expecting and awesome. Like it can't just be, you know, anything. Like if it just one, if it's just one of these theories that we've been floating around, I'll be a little bit let down. Yeah, or on reverse of that, if they just let it go, like if they're just like, Bleh. it's just like, oh yeah, okay, he figured it out, moving on. It's like, no, 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 you can't spend twelve episodes doing that and not talk about it. I'd be fine if they let it go for an episode or two. Like, if we can go, like, one episode, maybe two, where it just doesn't come up, just so that they're just not bludgeoning us over the head with it every single time. It's Again, it's just starting to drive me nuts. And, and the more that they try to start turning into a real plot, the more offended I am that they don't think we got it yet. <laughs> right. That's the, thing that, that's the thing I think that bugs me about it. Another thing that uh, I wanted to note is that uh, I saw that Sky tried to reach out to Ward before the Melinda May thing. Like she was trying to get in on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, she did the, you know, that really classy lady thing where she put the uh, the hand on his hand and invited him to her room to talk about it. And he was like, you're just never going to understand how I feel, Sky." Right. I don't think that's fair. I don't think that's fair. Here's the thing. He didn't sleep with Sky because he actually likes Sky. right? He doesn't want to have angry, pointless sex with Sky. He wants to have deep meaningful hacker sex with Sky. <laughs> so he's just going to, you know, it's, he'll, he'll just fuck this chick, and then hopefully Sky will never find out about it, but she will. Oh, how romantic. Oh, Andrew's hey, here. Andrew's, Andrew's here. here. Yes, I'm Mr. Back. Romance himself. Uh, how you doing there, buddy? I'm doing pretty good. It awesome. Like uh, everyone's kind of mixed on this episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Well, Rod and I both liked it. I liked it, but I'm more critical than, than, than they are. Andrew, I know you hated this one. I hated it. I, it's my least favorite episode oh, tell us why. of the show so far. I just, I just thought it was really kind of boring. Uh, I, it was your typical Mission of the Week stuff. I thought the Norse paganists were really bland. Uh, and they're going after some stupid rage stick. It, it just, I just thought it was really, really slight and frivolous. And uh, at least until the end, when I did like everything with Ward and May, there were some nice character moments there at the end. But for most of the episode, I was just bored. Except for when uh, Peter McNichol was on screen. I liked him. I, th- I wanted to see a lot more of him. What about um, when uh, Ward was raging out and cussing everybody out? Uh, that was kind of boring to me, honestly, because after he got I- infected or whatever by the uh, by the staff, it, it seems like he got it under control pretty quickly. And I was like, well, okay, you're not hulking out all the time. What's going on? Is is it just like something you can control pretty easily? And then at the end of the episode, Melinda May was able to control it no problem just because she's angry all the time. And it, it just seemed like the staff and what it really did wasn't all that important. It didn't seem like it could really, really dramatically change people uh, in a meaningful way. Well, after Ward contracted the staff infection, what we learned was that in his memory, it was taking him back to a dark place the first time that he wanted to like kill his brother or whatever. Right. But with Melinda May, she didn't say like, I'm angry all the time. She was saying that she thinks about, that moment whatever the moment the staff made her see she thinks about that all the time and it made me infinitely more interested in her backstory because i i want to know now like what the fuck is the thing that melinda may sees and thinks about every morning 
that is, you know, so crucial that it's the worst thing that's ever, you know, in her life. But, uh, she, you know, she's uh, living with it. I like that moment, but at the same time, we, we know that Melinda May went through something. We've known since the pilot that something happened to her that she considered leaving the field for a long time. So I thought it was a nice character moment within the episode, but it really didn't add anything new to her character, in my opinion. Did you know she was into Thor? Well, everyone's into Thor, so I just assumed that she would be. Agent Ward's probably into Thor, too. I didn't even know she was into dudes until this week, so I feel like like that's a pretty big development. Yeah, that final moment where she leaves the door open for Ward, I thought that was an interesting twist, but the rest of the episode, I thought you pretty much could have, you could just not have most of this episode, and it wouldn't change the series at all. That's how insular it it felt to me. Yeah. Yeah. You know what's funny, though, is I feel like every episode is that way, kind of, like, Mm-hmm. All of the episodes is, is like 40 minutes of something of the week to kind of get you through and then maybe 20 minutes of kind of plot and character development. And I think that's just going to be the format of this show. And this may be the time where people start. I, I mean, I guess people already kind of should have gotten onto it, but this may be where people like start separating, you know, if they're into the show or if they're not, because I'm I'm still seeing people who are like, I haven't liked any of these episodes that are like, watching the show and i'm like why are you watching yeah (laughs) this is it this is pretty i think we can stop even saying monster of the week this is that kind of show it's going to be thing of the week a little bit of you know plot development throughout the season for other things major story arcs but this is what it is and either you're kind of in for it or you're not it's not going to be breaking bad or you know these other shows that people keep keep naming i I think it's going to be an episodic journey into you know what is the strange power kind of like fringe or something well i mean i'm fine with with the more procedural elements of the show most of the time as long as they're continuing to develop uh the world and the characters around it and i was really excited after the the last two episodes episode six where it focused on fitz and simmons and we got some nice character moments with them and then in the hub when it, it seemed like the show was really starting to expand the world, introduce us to a lot of new characters, uh, bring up new possibilities for exploration. And then this episode, I, it just felt like a giant step backwards to me. Was it, because uh, I, I think we all kind of agree on this and we didn't get your take on it. Was it a tactical mistake to, to kind of announce this as the Thor tie-in episode? Oh, absolutely. No question. No question. I mean, Rod, we had you on Cinema Fix and, and you know how I feel about Thor The Dark World. I'm not, I'm not the biggest fan. You hate it. Yeah, but, but I was kind of looking forward to this episode because I was thinking, well, maybe this TV show will be able to take some of the ideas that I liked in, in Thor The Dark World but I didn't feel were executed very well. Maybe it'll be able to take some of those things or, and, and turn it into something fun or something intriguing. And it really just seemed like the only tie-in was it was about Asgardian stuff and we saw them cleaning up in the library. And that was a little bit of a letdown to me because I, it, this whole episode just felt like a marketing ploy. It, re, it really didn't do much to move any of the characters along to really uh, expand the, the world and the universe very much. It just felt like the, the writers going, oh, well, we need something to do for a week uh, to tie into Thor and we can promote it. And, and it, it just felt very much of a commercial product to me. Yeah, it's funny because, like I said, the the people I've seen that are the most vocally like, I dislike this episode, it pretty much starts with 
why did you even mention Thor at all? Well, and it could have also been, like, if it had always been planned to have a Thor tie-in, it could have been that this episode was written back a long time ago, and when they threw it in, it didn't really have their... I mean, there's it does feel like a very insular, this is just the story, we're just going to have this, like, moment. So maybe there's something else behind that, of, like, this is just a kind of a like an Easter egg, like a 9.1 sort of episode rather than it being its own complete thing on the side. The other issue with this episode for me is that I don't, I didn't think it was as funny as the last two. Yeah. Well, they don't all have to be funny. I mean, they, they can mix up the tone, right? I mean, it helps. Or do you want absolute consistency? I think the seriousness of it wasn't done well enough to not be funny. You know what I mean? Like, I think if it would have been mm. more funny in the parts that people are finding boring or too like you know serious or whatever, I might have been okay, more okay with the episode. Like it would have been like, oh, well, it was pretty funny when they said this thing and that thing. Well, I only found like a couple of moments that I thought were like that I that I actually laughed, and uh, it's it's kind of weird because the last two weeks I find myself laughing a lot. I was gonna say that could probably be a thing of the issue of the switch of tone. Like you're establishing something, you're establishing this is gonna be a nice blending of like comedy and drama, and then you have this very dark episode. But it wasn't that it dark. It wasn't that though. dark, but it did have a different tone. I, I agree with Rod on that. But the thing is is that I feel like this whole episode was just an excuse to go dark with tone and find a way to have Ward explore his dark side without actually bringing it up organically so that it has to be dealt with in a very serious, psychological, heart-to-heart kind of manner. And that's not even the worst thing in the world. The problem is I just don't think they hit it very well. The villains in this episode are pretty much just, we want evil powers. Why? Because things. And we're like, oh. And like, that's it. Like, I know they they said stuff about gods, but it really could have been anything. And maybe it would have been stronger if they just had not had a villain at all. Like, if it had just been this exploration of there's this person on Earth now that wasn't there before, and and that right. would have been interesting to see, like, a no-villain episode. I, th- I think it would have been interesting for people who watch a lot of TV and love this sort of critically, but I do right. think you do – listen, if you're going to give Ward superpowers and completely uncontrollable rage, you will want to see it unleashed. I think that's just good drama. So you want to have someone, preferably a whole bunch of someones, who he can just plow through guilt-free to give the audience you know, something, and also so that – when they introduce this conceit, they can actually show all the various angles of it. So I think that's fine. I just think you need uh, just a little bit more from the villain so so they don't just feel like a plot device. You know, you brought up a good point, too, because you were talking about tone, and this may be Ward's tone, because we've also talked in the past about how they can kind of concentrate more on one character than another throughout the episodes, and this felt like this was Ward's episode. This is his turn at the plate. Maybe they just haven't really found an entertaining way to delve into this character yet because the the parts that I was the least interested in were kind of Ward's history because they didn't really go into whatever that story was enough. Like I would have liked to see maybe those kids kind of act out more what exactly happened in that situation instead of just kind of like the well and he killed everyone in the room. You know, and I, I kind of would have liked to see, like, how did that kid get in that well? What was his brother? You know, what what the fuck was the issue? Was that his little brother that was in the well? And maybe the well is going to come back up. Like, I don't know. But it did kind of feel like not explored and not worth coming up two and three times in a season. 
yeah, like it's it's so like we get it. There's an element of danger. It's shot all dramatically and shit, but it's also so vague that it doesn't really have any impact and it doesn't really feel like it explains anything. So it just like you could have picked any flashback unless that well is super fucking important. And we're going to find like John Locke at the bottom of it eventually. or something. <laughs> like I see no reason. I thought it was the well from from the ring. It's not. You know, what, what if it's just like, look, we have a well. We might as well shoot something in it. Yep. You know, like my brother has a well. I wanted bats to come out of the well and then him to become Batman. Yep. <laughs> that would have been fine, too. But it's just, it's arbitrary and it's strange and I don't, it, it raises more questions. And they're not even interesting questions. Well, and I'm just kind of tired of the, and I know this is just the, what we're going to have, but I'm ready for like a big bat. I'm ready for something bigger mm-hmm. that they can all have like maybe a three episode arc of fighting. That I, I feel like that's a big issue in general. It's like you have this bad, you've got to kill him by the end of the episode, or no, not get kill him, but get rid of him by the end of the episode. And it just, it just seems, it doesn't seem very modern in the way that television stories are told. It does make me wonder if like um, Graviton or somebody's going to come back, or you know, like yeah. if, if they're going to do something with these characters that they've kind of been reconciling their problems, but not really killing them off. Oh, it makes you wonder if there's gonna be something at some point, like some some price they have to pay, or some you know this this demon from the past that comes up. Because I think it would be really good, man, and it would it would drive the show to the next to the next level. And I think if that does happen, it won't be for another month or two. Because going back to other Whedon shows, um, and I know this is exactly a Whedon show, but like I was thinking about the season one of Buffy. I remember people were like, you need to watch that. And I watched that like last year for the first time. And after the first season, I was like, should I even keep watching this shit? Are you guys sure that it's good? Right. But it takes that long because they do pretty much this format. Something happens that week. You learn a very little bit about some of the backstory with the characters. And then something happens the next week over and over and over. And then like the last four or five episodes are actually about one big bad. And then it's the new season, which doesn't have shit to do with you know, the last season. So, it, right. you know, it's going to be interesting, man. People may be, uh, I think Gwen just said, people may be tired of the old-fashioned storytelling with all the kind of newfangled development we have in these other uh, stories on TV. We keep comparing this to Buffy and, and really a lot of the Whedon shows, because a lot of Whedon shows, with the exception, ironically, of Firefly, the one that was canceled earliest, didn't hit their stride uh, for a while. Dollhouse was completely fucking problematic until basically like five episodes before it was canceled. What these shows have often been good at, though, is you're waiting, you're just sort of mildly entertained, mildly entertained, and then like shit hits fan. Buffy fucks Angel, Angel comes evil, and then the everything changes. And all like the groundwork you laid there, the, the contrast between this part of the show and that part of the show suddenly makes sense. But this show feels so freaking safe. Right. But I'm not sure how I'm not sure how much how much they can actually change it. Yes. And maybe that because I was thinking the exact same thing. And maybe that's like just an issue of the box that they have to work within is like, you know, they can't really mess with any mythology or anything that's already in the Marvel world because of uh, the cinematic world because they've got their whole storyline. But there was something really great just to throw back to Thor, the Dark World. There was a really great moment where Natalie Portman is questioning S.H.I.E.L.D., and I want to see more. I, I see the potential for that to be something that's going to be happening on Agents of Shield of the questioning of Shield, and and maybe I'm just I, and maybe I'm impatient or whatnot. But it's like I'm ready to see something a little bit bigger 
And I think that because they have 24 episodes, I think they can do that in this first season rather than kind of wait a little while to get there. And there's a lot of that in Thor, The Dark World, where like Kat Denning's character is bringing up S.H.I.E.L.D. I'm going to have to call S.H.I.E.L.D. on the phone for this. It felt like they were trying to say there was going to be some crossover between the movie and the show. And maybe that's also part of what got me excited maybe that was the crossover they just acknowledge each other right yeah like but you know what that's how it felt like they just acknowledged each other and that was all there was to the crossover you know because when i was watching the movie i'm like oh maybe they're gonna call from cat dennings like maybe she'll do her daria stick and we'll like i'll have something to laugh about for five minutes and it just never really came to anything right i I think you're right bibs the show really does feel too safe right now And if you're going to be safe, that's fine, but you have to have the character development and the thematic development, whether it's related to S.H.I.E.L.D. and whether or not S.H.I.E.L.D. is evil or not. you got to have something there driving things forward to keep us invested if it's going to be a fairly safe show in other respects. Or you just got to go completely in the opposite direction, like something like, uh, like Sleepy Hollow, which isn't a fantastic show, but I tune in week after week because I have no idea what the hell is going to happen next on that show. And it's just, it's just so bonkers and just the different Banana crazy – the, the stuff that they get into, it's just – I don't know what to expect. And S.H.I.E.L.D. needs to decide – it needs to pick those routes to take and just stick with it, you know? Either just go crazy and, you know, get into some of the stuff like like Todd talked about last week, like with other Marvel heroes, bring in Squirrel Girl, do something weird, or if you're going to stay safe, just really, really start fleshing out these characters more. Because if we keep getting more episodes like this one, where it just feels like a standard procedural uh, case of the week thing that really doesn't move things along in a meaningful way, then I'm not going to tune in for season two. Well, there's two things about that. One, I think Gwen might be right that this episode may have kind of been in the can for the Thor episode. Because doesn't it feel Mm -hmm. like a big break from the last two episodes? It just feels like it was not done in the same timeline. It seemed just like so separate, like it could just kind of be pieced out a little bit. See, and, and, and and that's part of why I think the fact that it didn't tie into the film more was disappointing to a lot of people because it's kind of like, well, if, if you're going to have this canned episode that's going to break from everything else, mainly to tie into the film, then tie into the film. Make it feel like part of a bigger puzzle. I mean, just throw a hammer in there. It's not that hard. <laughs> and the second thing I was going to say is a lot of shows do get off to like auspicious beginnings, even some of the better shows. Um, because a lot of shows that I recommend to people and that are recommended to me, people will tell me like, oh, you just have to get through X amount of episodes. Like it's once you get through this many, then you'll really, it'll catch on and you'll see. And, you know, sometimes they're right where I'm like, you know what? I thought, like, I thought Breaking Bad was a boring ass show. And then after I got through season one, I was like, oh, these motherfuckers could die at any time. So it does kind of matter the investment put in up front. And I guess reviewing it weekly does kind of, you know, adjust like it's, it's a little different because I'm not it's not like I'm going to be able to be like, well, in two months, I'll appreciate all this shit. Because, you know, right now I'm just going, well, I didn't like episode nine as much as episode eight. And that sounds like a fallback as a poor as a as opposed to something ramping up. Well, I'm excited for us to talk about like by like when we have winter break, like to see how we feel about this first half of the season. 
See, that's what I'm hoping. It feels like winter break is the time for them to do something major. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, it's leave us on a big cliffhanger. Make sure we come back after a couple of weeks when we sort of might be forgetting about it. We have to remember it over the winter break. And that's the point in time where someone's going to die or Melinda May is going to reveal that she is an alien or I don't know, something. Something, something, something really big. But either way, uh, Rob brought up a good point, which is, um, this, I think I've talked about it before, this element of acclimatization or acclim- acclimatization, whatever. We're acclimating to the series because we are committing to it. We are giving it more analysis, I think, than a lot of people are. Most people go, I like that one, or I didn't like that one, or I think I hope this happens, and that's about as far as they go. We're, we're trying to delve in as much as possible, and as a result, we're getting used to it, and we're sort of... I, I, here's what I worry about, and here's why I'm trying to stay as critical as possible, because I don't want to get to the point where we're forgiving shoddy or even just mediocre television by saying, well, that's S.H.I.E.L.D. Right. I don't want to be that. I think that's doing the show a disservice. I think that would be doing the fans a disservice. Right. And I think it would be doing us a disservice because it's very, very easy to just accept this as part of our lives now. Hey, Bill, uh, uh, let me ask you this, too, man. Do you think, as mm-hmm. a comic book fan, do you think they're kind of up against it? Because they can only make these characters matter so much or be so important because of their role in the universe. Like there isn't any other than Nick Fury, there really isn't any like agent that's in Shield that matters that much in in the Marvel universe. Well, Maria Hill did or does. I don't. I don't know if she still does, but she was important for a while. Apart from that, I mean, people have been agents of Shield. I mean, Black Widow agent has been an agent of Shield. She's been a very big deal. Um, but I, here's the thing: I think the whole point is that they're not that important. That's the thing, and I think that we're stuck between wanting this show to really elevate itself and seem more important, and not be the show that they pitched. As a result, you know, I, when I when I remember seeing the one shots, particularly uh, item forty seven, and thinking to myself, I almost, I don't almost, I don't want to see an hour long adventure show. I want to see a sitcom set in Shield, where there's might be like a little bit of action or something like that. But it's mostly just these people have weird jobs and weird personalities, and I'd rather just explore that than pad this out. And I actually am starting to think that like. Even just the hour-long Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. format, for most of these episodes, there's enough for a spectacular half-hour episode and not necessarily enough for an hour-long episode that doesn't usually outstay its welcome at some point or at least in some subplot or another. I could not agree more, yeah. Well, I think somebody brought that up a few episodes ago that it would be so much better if this was kind of like The Office but with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And so maybe they have to keep their life hidden from their loved ones or and it's just very insular in that in that space. And like to actually spend time in S.H.I.E.L.D. would be really, really nice. Like I'm kind of tired of that damn plane. They are the cops of the world, right? So like procedural kind of does <laughs> go with the territory. They're like the cops of Marvel or whatever. Um, but I, I just I do want to reiterate the last two episodes completely filled the hour for me. Like they almost felt like too, it was borderline too much is happening. It's so good. Like, oh my God, oh my God, something else is happening. Yeah, They're yeah. on a different set. There's different uh, characters interacting. And then this episode just completely felt like, well, there's kind of 20 minutes I don't even care about. Yeah, I, I agree completely. Uh, episode six uh, fits. It felt like there wasn't a whole lot going on, but they stretched it out for the full hour and really let it breathe and let it develop. And then with the hub, it felt like there was a lot more going on, and it just felt like it moved really, really quickly. And this episode, it was just kind of like half and half, and it, nothing really felt 
uh, adequately developed. Yeah, I think the last 10 minutes of this episode gave me the feeling I had the whole other, like, entire last two episodes. Like, it felt like a lot of shit happened in that last 10 minutes. There's that fight scene in the church. There's the, you know, Sky reaching out to Ward, and then Ward eventually ended up with um, Melinda May. The Asgardian dude dying, and then Colson helped bringing him back to life, and then the, the little Tahiti thing. Like, it felt like a lot of shit happened in that last 10 minutes, but it's like, uh, the first fifty didn't feel. It felt like very stuck in the in the plane, as, as Gwen mentioned. Right, and I, I mean, I, I like that the show is trying to develop their characters more. I mean, we had Fitz, which was all about Fitz and Simmons, and kind of fleshing out their relationship. We've had some development on the Sky front in the earlier episodes. That was a we know hit and miss, but there was some development there. And I feel like this was supposed to be the Ward episode, but it didn't feel like Ward was developed very much at all. I mean, we already knew that his brother took his cake away from him, and now we see that his brother made him bully another kid in a well, and it just didn't feel like a big enough reveal, or maybe it's just the execution was off, but I didn't feel like it really pushed our perception of Ward forward in a, in a really meaningful way. So, and he's by far the worst character on the show, in my opinion. He needs the most development, and I'm just I'm frustrated that they didn't do more with that. Yeah, I agree. Maybe they're saving something crazy. I don't know. I don't know. They got to be saving something super duper. Like his brother is the fucking like leader of Hammer or some shit. I don't. I don't. <laughs> yeah, I mean the the whole thing with with Ward is just it didn't feel like he was really driving the plot in 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 a real meaningful way. I mean they keep questioning like oh. Will Ward be able to carry out the mission? And yeah, he does. Not, not there's no real threat there. I think I would have liked it more if the episode really w- did focus on that, and it was just like Ward's trying to control this rage, trying to to just keep it together, and really struggling. And that wasn't really sold in the episode. You know what I did enjoy a lot? I did like him cussing people out, though. They could have gone on further <laughs> with that. They needed more. Like when he was like. Talk, talk, talk. And why don't you shut the hell up? I was like, yes, God does talk too much. And those nerds were really scared of him for a while. And I wish they had kept that up instead of the whale shit. Because the whale shit just, I don't know. They never fleshed it out. Yeah. Uh, or he could have told Melinda May she needs to talk more, you know, because she barely says anything. <laughs> I really want to know what happened to Melinda May. Like, more than Colson. Like, that, they're doing a better job <laughs> hyping that up than the stuff with Colson. Because there is understated, you know, it's just like something mm-hmm. real bad happened and we can't even talk about it. Yeah, I really like what they've been doing with her. Uh, I, have, I have a question for you guys. Did you already talk about the dollhouse reference? Uh, no, I was actually waiting for you to bring that up, actually, because I saw that in your notes. Yeah, that was one of the, I, I like I said, I did like the ending of this episode overall. I liked the moment with uh, Ward and May, and I liked that final scene right before the credits, just because it was a dollhouse reference, and I got really excited, where Coulson wakes up and says, did I fall asleep? And she says, for a little while, and I was like, oh my god, that was a nice little uh, little reference there. Uh, and I, it just got me thinking about, ooh, what would a dollhouse Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. crossover look like? I think I'd, I'd, I'd be on board I would with that. love to see that. Yep. Eliza Dushku shows up. Look, Coulson is Elijah Dushku, okay? That's my prediction. That's going to be the reveal. She, he's just going to, like, unzip himself, and Elijah Dushku is going to walk out. That would be amazing. Sad, because then we'd be stuck with Elijah Dushku for, <laughs> for the rest of the season. But 
they can make it so S.H.I.E.L.D. is just, it used to be Rossum, and then Rossum became so powerful that now it's S.H.I.E.L.D. I'd, I'd want to see that. You are dooming us to, uh, did anyone see that, that sketch they did with Breaking Bad where uh, he wakes up and it was all just a dream on Malcolm in the Middle? Yep. Yes. You're dooming us to one of those for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Like, whenever <laughs> that ends, there's going to be the dollhouse ending. <laughs> We're stuck with it forever now. God damn it. All right. Yeah, I was just hoping he was going to get a full release on the massage, but uh, no oh, such luck. It's an 8 o'clock show. <laughs> okay, well, well, here here's my question for you. Do you think they included the dollhouse reference just as a little nice reference for fans? Yeah. Or do you think that was meant to foreshadow something about Coulson? Like, maybe what if he's a robot or whatever he is, he can be reprogrammed in certain ways if necessary i got good hard money that says they're just fucking with us okay <laughs> like they know that joss whedon fans are really hardcore and they're going to debate it and they're going to ask questions at comic-con and it's going to keep them from asking the real questions like why isn't this better yeah. <laughs> yeah, and considering that jed was the one that ran um dollhouse this yes. That's, yes. that's a nice nod to his fans if it's a um dollhouse reference then like why would they be programming Colson to be so like anti the establishment you know what I mean like maybe all they did was they took his personality and uh, they just put it in another body which is pretty much exactly what they did on Dollhouse they just happened to have a good version of Colson's body I think that's what they would want us to think and that would right. explain why he doesn't have any of that missing time because he wasn't there for that that's what happened on Dollhouse I mean one of the one of the best things about Dollhouse was when it started exploring those ideas of what makes a person a person if you can just have your personality changed on a whim who are you really do you have a soul and i think this, it would be interesting if the show kind of started to touch on those things more with colson like if he is different uh if they have made him a robot or or, or something is he still who he was before you know how does he view himself in his own identity I, I I hope the show does some more with that. You know, if they're going to wait to tell us what the big reveal is, fine. But just give us some character introspection or, or, or something to tell us more about what Coulson is going through and what's going on in his head. Did you notice, Andrew, that they didn't tell us exactly how the staff worked? Uh, yeah, I oh, did yeah. notice that. I know that's your thing, man. They told us enough. All right, that's what you say. <laughs> But yeah, in defense of the episode, though, I will say uh, after I watched it, I just tried to forget that they even brought up the Thor tie-in. And I was fine with the episode. Like, I actually really enjoy it if I did not think about the fucking Thor shit, man. Like, I really wish they hadn't have done that, man. Because it, like, I've been asking kind of for some, like, hey, tell us why this is in the Marvel Universe. Like, not just some shit you have to Wikipedia, like, oh, Hand is uh, also in Marvel and uh, she's in Hammer. Like something that just kind of goes shit happens in Marvel, the Marvel universe, and these characters have to deal with it. And this was this was that. And then it was kind of fucked up because instead, I, I you know, you, you end the episode with like, well, this wasn't about Thor at all. And it kind of it kind of sucks that they even brought that tie in up. I'm with uh, Rod on this one. I think this episode is amazing if you're willing to forget everything about it that isn't. <laughs> <laughs> I will say that there was, there was one little touch that I liked, though, and it was just a little nod uh, to the Avengers when uh, Coulson suggests he moves to Portland, uh, Peter and McNichol moves to Portland because they have a great Philharmonic. That was cute. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. That was cute. I always wonder what happened to her. 
but like Bibs, when they're bringing up like the Asgardian shit, and they're bringing up like, I mean, you basically you meet an Asgardian. You know, the idea that the Asgardians are aliens from another planet that visited so many years ago and all this stuff. Right. Like, you don't feel like some sort of because when we started this show, it was like they need to not just have it as this isolated thing outside of everything else. You didn't feel like that was kind of a fulfillment of some of those elements. No, no, I thought that was fine. No, like I said, it's only forget the stuff that doesn't work. Now, you and I disagree on some of the stuff that doesn't work. All I'm saying is uh, I'm, not, I'm not really looking at this one with rose-colored glasses. I think there are a lot of problems with it. I think uh, while I admire what they were trying to do with Grant I, 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 or Ward, I, I don't think it worked. Uh, I think it was too vague. It was too fuzzy. Uh, I thought the villains were lame enough that they couldn't keep the rest of the episode terribly interesting. Uh, I thought they really oversold uh, their climax with Tahiti. And uh, I thought, well, I like the the exploration of Asgard and being an Asgardian, getting the same room with him and finding out some aspects of the Thor universe that we haven't seen in the films. I was kind of disappointed by a lot of the other elements surrounding it. So it's a really, really mixed episode. The highlights made me smile just uh, for the most part. I don't think this is a great episode. Yeah, well, we agree on that. Like, we actually agree on uh, most of what you just said. Damn right. Did anyone else think it was weird that uh, Peter McNichol... Kind of was flirting with Simmons. Oh, there. yes. No. Can you blame him? He is like the Asgardian version of a pedophile. <laughs> Every Asgardian is the Asgardian version of a pedophile if they're mating with a human. Yeah. He, I mean, I wouldn't say it was a pedophile as much as just a man that takes advantage of younger girls. And that's totally fine. Yeah. Because I thought that was great earlier on when the girl was like, are you not going to change my grade? And he's like. No, but I'll see you at dinner. And I'm like, ew. And the lady, and like the lady he fell in love with, is obviously dead thousands of years ago. Go back home. <laughs> Go find someone your own age. No, he said it himself. He didn't fall in love with a woman. He fell in love with Earth. Sure, he did. Yeah. He preferred it there. He is the Edward Cullen to Simmons Bella. Yeah. Well, I mean, but add like a thousand, couple of thousand years to that. You know, it's still just as creepy. Edward was only eighty years older. Oh well, in that case. <laughs> Yeah, I thought it was weird that last episode there was Simmons trying to hit on Sitwell, and then this episode it's uh, Peter McNichol's character kind of hitting on her. I was like, well, are they just trying to get Simmons involved with an older man? Is that where this is headed? It's going to be Simmons and Coulson, guys. I think they're starting to realize that Simmons is the real breakout sex symbol of this show, and good for them. Well, and I think we should talk a little bit about the sex issue on the show. Like, we've been talking every single week about who we think should hook up and when and where that's going to happen. And I was genuinely surprised that the first hookup that we potentially have is between Ward and Melinda May. And this is probably what separates us from Bibbs and Andrew, because this <laughs> saved everything for me. I was like, oh, please leave that door open. And then I was, like, talking to myself, like, go in that motherfucking room, dog. Do not go into your room. And as soon as the door closed, I was like, yes, sweet, sloppy, like relationship issues all over the show, man. Like, this is going to fuck up shit with uh, him and Sky. Simmons, I think, is going to be even more hurt by it than than Sky will. Sky's going to be all like, well, he's a jerk, whatever. <laughs> but Simmons actually saw like a genuine goodness in him. Right. And then you still have Fitz, who's unrequited love with Sky and mm-hmm. quasi relationship with Simmons is going to be all fucked up. Because he still got manhandled in front of them when uh, when Ward basically called him a bitch. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm liking that these moments are mattering. I thought you were all about Ward and Sky. I'm God. all about people making mistakes. I cannot reiterate this enough if people go back and listen to the show. 
I've those that was my hunch was like that would be the the most sloppy pairing, and I still stand by that. That will be the most sloppy pairing because I was assuming she was gonna betray them at some point, and it was gonna they were gonna be on opposite sides. But I will take May and Ward because that also messes up Sky because Sky had just thrown the panties at this dude, and he was like, "No, I'm gonna go have sex with this hot Asian lady." So uh, I'm all about this. Yeah, and it appeals to also to the issue of that Sky is like you can talk to her, but you can't talk to me thing, and that's gonna build. That's gonna really play with her trust issues that she's had this whole episode. She is like his uh, mentee, you know what I mean? Like there's a weird kind of relationship between them because he's like, "Oh, I'm taking you under my wing and kind of teaching you the ropes," and I don't see you like that almost, you know. Well, the other thing is, and I, this is something I've been saying from the beginning as well, the, uh, the, the harder you set up a love story, particularly in any show related to Joss Whedon, the more likely it is that anyone else is going to end up with those people. Yes. You know, you set up, you set up Ward and Sky, and so naturally he's going to fuck Melinda May. You set up Melinda May and Coulson, naturally she's going to fuck Ward. And then Coulson is going to fuck Fitz. And it's just, you know, it just throws everyone for a loop and it stretches out all of these love triangles as long as possible while making it messy. And I couldn't agree with you more. I think it's really important to keep, especially the character dynamics, really messy. As now, now we, I see this more as like, this almost assures at some point Ward and Sky will get together. But see, I'm on board with the idea. I I was thinking about this while this was all going down and I was like, I think it's going to be Simmons and Ward. And I would love to see Fitz and Sky together, but I don't think it's going to happen. I think that that's too much of like a Sky, or I'm sorry, like a Buffy Xander sort of thing. I think that he's going to have to find somebody completely different. But I think it's going to go like Dawson's Creek esque, where it's yes, I'm adding all my CW nonsense into this. Sorry, guys. <laughs> I just love that you guys are all like, I don't care about this shit. We don't need to talk about that. And now look at you sucked into the sloppiness. <laughs> You're no better than me. You guys are all just like me. <laughs> Within the next couple episodes, I want a bottle episode that's just uh, because they're the cops of the Marvel Universe. I just want May and Sky going on a donut run together, just them in a car hashing out all their issues about Ward and Coulson and, and everything. Somebody needs to get stuck in an elevator together. Oh, that's gonna happen. That'll be like Grey's Anatomy style, right there. It's gonna be Ward and Sky and Melinda May stuck. Oh, all the shit's gonna go. It's oh, gonna that's gonna be hot. <laughs> oh my god alright is there anything else you guys would like to say regarding this no! episode of Agents of Shield <laughs> okay <laughs> Bibbs is like can we just blow this episode up over it <laughs> alright Bibbs then, then uh, take us out well that'll wrap it up for this episode of the Agents of Shield cast write in and let us know what you thought of the pilot and what you think of this podcast you can email us at shieldcast at filmgeekradio.com or comment on the website at filmgeekradio.com you can also leave us a voicemail through the website or you can call us at 336-793-2509 you can also subscribe to the show through iTunes if you like the Agents of Shield cast please write us a review that really helps us out a lot in terms of getting the word out about the show. And if you really like the show and would like to financially support us, you can donate to us by going to filmgeekradio.com and clicking the donate button. That money really helps us out and goes towards helping us pay for hosting and bandwidth and covering all our other costs that come with producing.
using this show. You can also use our affiliates page to visit some of our partners, including Amazon. Anything you purchase from our affiliates, if you use our site to get there, will get a small percentage of whatever you spend. So you can buy something for yourself and help us out at the same time. And as always, be sure to check out other great shows on Film Geek Radio, including Cinema Fix, The Thin Place, and our new podcast all about the third season of Homeland. Agent Rod Morrow, where can people find you online? You can find me at theblackouttips.com. Um, also, you can search iTunes and Twitter for the, I mean, iTunes and Stitcher for the Blackout Tips. Uh, speaking of Twitter, I'm on Twitter at Rodimus Prime, or if you're into some of the TV shows I watch and you want to know what I have to think about them, uh, just go to at Rod Live Tweets. Agent Gwen Reyes, where can we find you online? You, oh, you can find me at realvixen.com and redcarpetcrash.com, um, as well as at Twitter forward slash realvixen. Agent Andrew Johnson, where can we find you online? <laughs> You've got this, uh, this Will Ferrell, Harry Carey thing creeping in. But I, I like it, Bibbs. <laughs> you can find my film and TV criticism at moviemezzanine.com and patheos.com. Uh, you can also find me co-hosting a few other podcasts on Film Geek Radio, including Cinema Fix and The Briefing Room. And you can follow me on Twitter at writerandrew. And uh, you can find me online, all of my film criticism and interviews and web series at craveonline.com in the film channel. You can find me on Twitter at William Bibbiani. That's B-I-B-B-I-A-N-I. You can hear me on the radio, 980 AM in Los Angeles, Friday mornings at 945, reviewing lots of films. And you can always hear me on the B-Movies podcast. Please subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes. That will wrap it up for the episode. Agents disassemble! This has been a Film Geek Radio production. Film Geek Radio! Yeah!